We're turning this evening to the book of Acts and to the second chapter, Acts and chapter 22. And take as a text the verse 21, Acts chapter 2 and verse 21. But we'll read first from verse 14. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14, taking our reading, beginning there. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption." Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, But he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, 
that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen. We thank the Lord for these words. Let's bow our heads again in prayer and ask the Lord's help. Our Father, as we consider a verse from this section of scripture we pray that you would apply it to our hearts that we might know the lord and father we pray that the call of god may go forth and we pray father that souls might be saved and that thy people might be reminded of what so, what a great salvation and what a great blessing this is which is bestowed upon us and we pray our father that we might again be reminded of the good news of jesus christ of who he is what he has done and how he has stretched forth his hand uh, to us and how that he has caused us to hear if we are his and if not lord we pray that thou was caused to hear tonight and that the blessing of the lord might be upon each one hear us then we ask continue with us now in jesus name we pray amen amen well in these words in acts chapter 2 verse 21 Uh, We read, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. These words were taken from Joel, and Joel, of course, was the prophet uh, of the Old Testament. And it is the end of a a section in which he writes, and Peter here uh, makes a free Uh, translation of those words adds a couple of things in just to make the point and uh, as he gives these words to the people standing round about so he is making the point to them that these things are prophesied that these things are the revelation of God to those who are gathered around and on this day of Pentecost here is a sign in the midst of them that God is working in signs in the earth beneath Uh, those words are added uh, to what Joel had to say uh, but he has added them in here because here is a sign here is a sign in the midst of the people that they might believe and of course uh, many people had asked for signs remember of the Lord Jesus show us a sign they said Jesus said no sign shall be given to this evil generation but the sign of the prophet Jonas uh, who of course was three days and three nights in the whale's belly and then was brought forth again to live as it were a second time but this is a sign isn't it this is exactly what peter is bringing before the people he is saying that you have crucified jesus he has died he has been buried but god has not left him buried he is raised again on the third day just like jonah you ask for a sign here is the sign now i'm telling you what the sign is and you can see that that sign has been fulfilled the lord gives us all that we have need that we might believe on him but still the hardness of men's hearts refuse him but this is a very wonderful and open uh, uh, verse of scripture Uh, and i want to consider it with you first of all the scope of this invitation which really uh, covers the word here whosoever secondly the simplicity of the invitation because it is just simply a call who shall uh, whosoever shall call on the name of the lord and then finally the subject of the invitation that of course is the name of the lord so first of all the whosoever the scope of the invitation this is a wonderful word whosoever 
Uh, it is an undefined word. It has no borders to it. It, it keeps on going. Whosoever. Uh, it's not restricted to anyone. It's not restricted to the rich. It's not restricted to the poor. It's not restricted to the smart or to the simple. It's not restricted to uh, the nation of Israel. But it is open there for all nations and for all creeds and for all tongues and for all stations in life. Uh, the whosoever, the scope of it is enormous. The scope of it is infinite. It covers all of humanity. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is a, a context to this, a historical, scriptural context, and that is that, of course, the gospel had first been given to the Jews, to the nation of Israel. It had been given to Abraham as he had been called out of Ur of the Chaldees and then to his offspring, to Isaac and to Jacob and so on down through the ages. And Israel was particularly set apart. But always, even in the days of Abraham, that all the nations of the world would be blessed in the seed of Abraham. Jesus Christ is that seed. The Apostle Paul makes that very clear to us. And so now the context here within the whole scope of scripture is not just the Jews, but everybody, the Gentiles too, from any person, from any part of the world. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 3 verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus and again in Colossians 3 and verse 11, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. What a wonderful word, this undefined word, this unlimited word. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then, of course, it is an unlimited word as well the scope of the whosoever is unlimited <clears throat> there is an, er er an error which is propounded against those who call themselves calvinists it's a bit of a misnomer anyway uh, being called a calvinist but nevertheless those who believe in the election of god uh, and it is down in part to a simplistic acrostic uh, where each, each letter of a word begins a line so that we can remember what the five points of Calvin were, were in answer to the five points of Arminius. And those five points were total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints and of course the limited atonement is the thing which gets people's minds and they think what well, does that mean that we're limited that not everybody can be saved that this whosoever doesn't mean whosoever that there is a limit put upon uh, those who can be saved well we can re uh, uh, set forth those words and and just change them slightly to give a, a more rounded application of what is actually being said here so not just total depravity but an all-pervasive sin that is that every part of us every part of us is affected by sin that's what total depravity really means it doesn't mean an absolute depravity uh, as satan has and there's no no hope of salvation it just means that everything that we do is affected in some way by sin no, we agree i suppose uh, that we are affected by sin 
and then uh, the unconditional election well it's a, an undeserved salvation we don't deserve to be saved if we deserved to be saved uh, then we would have earned our salvation and we could boast before uh, other men and say well I was so good that God had to save me then the limited atonement well uh, it's very clear that not everybody is saved not everybody is saved uh, we look around the world and those are, there are those who refuse God all the way through their lives to the end and they will go to their graves cursing God. Not every person is saved. And so there is a limit to those who are saved. Not everybody is saved, therefore there is a limit. Now, the limit is not that they cannot be saved, but the limit is that they are not all saved. We look at it in that point, and even those who say that we are able to choose God must agree that not everybody is saved. And then this irresistible grace. Well, the irresistible grace really is the heart-winning gospel. How does the Lord bring us to himself? He wins us over. He, he brings the gospel to our minds. He sets before us this great salvation, such as is in this verse, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not that he forces us into the kingdom, but he sets it in such terms which appeal to our hearts and to our minds. And he convinces us that we are sinners and he convinces us of salvation and he convinces us that that salvation is in him. And so therefore it's irresistible. It's like uh, setting a, a bar of chocolate uh, in front of me, for instance. It's irresistible. I, I've got to eat some of it. Uh, and... That's what the Lord does. He sets these things in such a way that in whatever situation we are, that we might desire and come and call upon him. It is very clear that every person who trusts in Christ chooses Christ. Why do we choose Christ? We choose Christ because Christ has been made irresistible to us. Either by that which uh, is the alternative, which is the loss of our souls, or by his beauty in fact, I would suggest by both. And then that perseverance of the saints, what does that say? Well, it just says that our Savior is faithful. That our Savior doesn't give us up. That once he has saved us, we are saved. He cares for us. He watches over us. And so these things which have come under the acrostic tulip, that we might remember them, gives this idea of, uh, of a limited atonement. Of course, on the opposite side, those who propose man's free choosing uh, of being saved put the true limit on atonement. They suggest that God can only save those who let him and that we have to let God save us, that it is down to us finally, that the limit is in us, that God is limited. Is God limited? Can we ever say that God is limited? We can understand that we are limited. But can we ever say that God is limited? Is there something God cannot do? Is there a man upon the face of this earth who says, God cannot save me? Doesn't matter what he does, he cannot save me. I, am, uh, I have the ability in myself to resist him. Is that possible? Does, cannot God do all things? Are not all things possible unto him? And therefore, the authority then is given to men rather than to God. And this we deny. It is an unlimited. It's unlimited in the fact that whatever condition we may be in, whether we be in the very depths of depravity, 
or whether we walk in, in, in rarefied uh, circles. Nevertheless, God is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto him through Jesus Christ. There is a salvation. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's undefined. It's unlimited. It's unmistakable. There can be no mistake as to whom the invitation is made. For there is no restriction and there are no prerequisites. We know that the Lord has lifted up Jesus Christ before the world and said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's unmistakable. It's so simple. A little child can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The oldest person can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no confusion here. There there is nothing to be confused about. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. As we read those words in John 3 and verse 14 and 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Anyone who reads that account of Moses and the fiery serpents, and that God told him to make a serpent of bronze and to set it upon a post, and then all who would look to it, all you have to do is look to it. And you will be healed. It's very simple. And in in like manner, the Lord has lifted up Christ before us and says, simply look, believe, and you will be saved. Jesus says to the woman at the well, whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. We drink of him. Here is salvation. It is Christ. Revelation 22 verse 17. The spirit and the bride say come. And let him that heareth say come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will. Let him take of the water of life freely. There's no restriction in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be something. You don't have to do something. Just simply look and live. We see then the scope of this invitation, whosoever. It is so broad that it envelops every person who has ever lived upon the face of the earth. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then we see, secondly, the simplicity of the invitation. Call. Call. And of course, the call doesn't even need to be uh, 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 one which is used uh, is from the voice. So a dumb person is able to call. Uh, any person who is able to think is able to call. We can call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is an invocation then of the name of the Lord here. A calling upon him. We might say that there is a, a call of dread. And certainly within the scripture, uh, there are times when Christ was called upon out of fear. Matthew fourteen twenty six. when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. They cried. And when they were in the boat and the water and the waves were coming into the boat and they thought that they would perish, they cried, Master, we perish. And there are some who, because of the situation that they have in life, 
because of the troubles which are enveloping them, because they feel that they are sinking into the darkness of oblivion, in the terror cry out to the Lord. And the Lord hears them. For there is no place that we can be that the Lord cannot hear us. And the Lord hears. And there are many who have been saved even from the very pits of sin. Uh, even from the very edge of suicide. Even when they thought that there was nothing more that could possibly be done for them. As a last gasp, they cry out to the Lord. A call of dread. Lord, save me. And the Lord says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We hear in these days, in the, many of the circumstances which go on in this land of ours, many who have taken their own lives. And we hear that it is on the rise. People are becoming more and more depressed. Every time I hear such a thing, I, I think to myself, well, fewer and fewer people are coming to church and hearing the gospel. There are fewer and fewer who know that they can trust in the Lord, that the Lord will uh, supply their need and that the Lord will be with them. And they have nothing. They have nothing. In the book of Jeremiah, we're just reading at the moment at home, and in the book of Jeremiah, it speaks about those who, who have made to themselves the idols of wood and of stone, and the Lord says, well, instead of them crying out to me, let's let them cry out to their stocks, to their to their wooden idols and to their stone idols. Cry out to them, see if they will help. We might say, well, people don't really have idols. Of course, some people do in this country in these days, but people do have idols. They're trusting in science. They're trusting in their work. They're trusting in their abilities. They're trusting in their education. They're trusting in people. They're trusting in all kinds of different things, but none of those things can help them in the time of trouble, but the Lord can help. When we invoke the name of the Lord, though it be a call of dread, the Lord says, we shall be saved. And then there's a call of desperation. Uh, there were those who were at the uh, city of Jericho. As the Lord went in, we read of a blind man that cried out to the Lord, uh, uh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And we read again that as he departed from Jericho, there were uh, other blind men that cried out both on the entrance and on the exit, blind men. And the Lord healed them. A call of desperation. What wouldst thou have me to do, Lord, that I might receive my sight? And the Lord healed them. On the way in, on the way out. Oh, there's no, no time is the wrong time. As he's leaving or as he's approaching, cry out to the Lord. Invoke his name. The invitation is simple. Call. And the call also of dependence, realizing that we have nothing upon which to rest, where we are floating, as it were, in, in the ocean of troubles, and we need someone who can deliver us. The call of dependence, when people recognize that they need someone. And there are many who have turned to all kinds of things because they need someone or something People turn to drugs, people turn to drink, people turn to gambling, people turn to other people, people turn to illicit relationships, people turn to all kinds of things because they need help. And the Lord says that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. A call of dependence. He can be our hope. He can be our help. And he can be our healing. 
the name invoked. But then there's an interesting thing about this word call. Uh, in the context which is here, it is very plain to say that the word call means to cry out to, calling on the name of the Lord. But the word call itself in, in, in Greek also can be used as the word surname. So we re- read of some of the disciples who were surnamed. Uh, and so they have a new name. And that, I thought, was just uh, an interesting uh, an aside, really. The fact that when we call upon the name of the Lord, we also are called by the name of the Lord. He puts his name upon us. We belong to him. And the word there, then, uh, is used in the scripture in Revelation 22 and verse 3 it says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Some are worried about having the name of the beast in their foreheads. 666, uh, computer chip or something in their foreheads. And they think that this is uh, some fearful thing which is going to come in the future. But the scripture also speaks about having the name of the Lord in our foreheads. Is that going to be a computer chip? Or is this the mental uh, attitude of people? And what the name of the beast, the, 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 the 666, which is written in our foreheads, is who we follow rather than an actual chip or some other form which is written upon us. But if we are the Lord's, then we have the Lord's name written upon our foreheads. A name imparted to us. Oh, we invoke his name. We cry out to him. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But being saved, we have the name of the Lord written upon us. And then finally, the subject of the invitation. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is powerful in scripture. Uh, The Lord swears by his own name. There is no other name greater. Uh, There was nothing else that he could swear by because he is the only thing which exists of itself. And though and therefore we read in Hebrews that God swear by himself, by two immutable things, his word, which cannot be broken, and himself, which will never change. He swears on these two things. So the name of the Lord is spoken of here. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's an interesting thing here because the name of the Lord uh, that Peter speaks of is in the context of uh, Joel calling upon the name of the Lord, the name Jehovah. And yet it is clear that Peter is, is speaking about Jesus Christ. It is Christ who is the Lord. Interestingly enough, the name uh, or the word in Greek, kurios, is the word which is used consistently to translate the name Jehovah from the Old Testament in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the, of the Old Testament. And it is the word which is used of Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord. Uh, we're turning to the Lord, calling upon the name of the Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He is the Lord. We read together from Isaiah 45. If you have that uh, portion open before you uh, still, or can find it very quickly, uh, we read there in Isaiah 45 and in verse 23. In fact, we read from verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself... 
the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow every tongue shall swear surely shall one say in the lord have i righteousness and strength even to him shall men come and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed in the lord shall all the seed of israel be justified and shall glory it's a wonderful portion of scripture here there is an implication an implication of who jesus christ is and there is included in isaiah these tremendous words surely shall one say in the lord have i righteousness and strength isn't that exactly the doctrine of christianity that our righteousness and strength is not of ourselves that we trust in christ that he has accomplished salvation for us that he uh, gives that to us that he keeps us until the end that it is in the name of the lord that we are saved and if we are in christ who is the way and the truth and the life that is our salvation surely shall one say in the lord have i righteousness and strength it's not my righteousness but the lord's righteousness it's not my strength it's the lord's strength the implication of the name of the lord this is the subject then of the invitation putting our trust in the lord whosoever shall call on the name of the lord shall be saved then also we can think of the subject of the invitation the name of the lord and its influence now again we've just read read those words uh, but in philippians 2 and verse 10 the apostle paul takes them up and he says this that at the name of jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father the apostle applies these very words to jesus christ he is our salvation and we can come we can call upon his name and whosoever calleth upon the name of the lord shall be saved these are the words of scripture not just the new testament the old testament they are taken from the old testament remember peter didn't have a new testament these things are written after the fact and so he is able to take that promise of joel and say to the people whosoever shall call on the name of the lord shall be saved and we read we didn't read this together earlier but we find that the people in verse 37 when they heard this were pricked in their hearts and said unto peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do then peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the holy ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off even as many as the lord our god shall call and with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves from this untoward or perverse generation its influence here is the power the influence of the name of jesus that at that name every tongue should confess and the influence also when we think of christ jesus in john 14 verse 13 whatsoever ye shall ask in my name that will i do that the father may be glorified in the son and of course while he was amongst them that was what he did 
And when he was to leave them, he said, recorded in John 16 and verse 26, that day, ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you. And so it is in the name of Jesus. We, we finish every prayer, do we not, in that same way. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. We do these things in Jesus' name because of the influence of the name of God. Its implication, its influence, finally its importance. In Revelation 5 and verse 13, we read, In every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever the importance of the name you see it's not just having faith this annoys me every time I watch something like songs of praise and people talk about their faith how has your faith helped you what does your faith do for you well our faith doesn't help us our faith doesn't do anything for us it is christ who helps us it is god who does for us our faith is just our connection to him but it's nice for uh, the, the secular media to be able to turn us away from christ and to the glory of god to focus on faith where we can also apply that to mindfulness or any other religion come to that anybody who has faith in anything can say yes my faith really helps me i had faith in the underground that they would get me to work that'd be a misplaced faith wouldn't it but uh, nevertheless you can have faith in all kinds of things but there is faith in christ it is christ who delivers us it is christ who saves us and there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved the importance of the name of the lord Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, that these words might be taken into our hearts. If you are a child of God, that you may preach them, that people may know them. If you are not saved, that you will call upon the name of the Lord yourself. And that this message of Peter might go forth into all the world. And that there might be a great awakening in the days in which we live. May the Lord bless his word to us.